0: Listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green.
1: Hey, everyone. Today's going to be an interesting episode of the Business of Baking podcast. As you know, I love doing the podcast. It's become one of the great joys of my professional life. I have such a good time doing it. And this year, I've had an unbelievable season of episodes. It's a much longer season than I had last year. I decided this year I was really going to give the whole podcasting thing a proper run. And so I did that and I've loved it. But it's now time for me to take my annual holiday from podcasting. That's not really the case. I just think the season is ending just like all good things. But I've had an unbelievably incredible year. And this year, oh my goodness, I did some solo episodes where I told you about stuff like the worst advice that I ever got. And you know, how many flavors of cake is too many flavors. And I talked about mental health strategies and how I get through the rough stuff in life. I talked about all sorts of things, my favorite Disney characters, my favorite cakes to eat, all sorts of stuff. And then I had some unbelievably amazing episodes where I interviewed some incredible people. I spoke about mental illness with Laurel Harlan. I spoke to Patricia Sheets about running a charitable-based bakery. I spoke to Liz Butts from Sprinkle Pop and the guys from Primal Noms and the guys from the pie company. And I spoke to my daughter Claire. And I just have had an absolutely amazing, amazing season 2018. Thank you so much for listening to this I've acquired all kinds of new friends and new fans and new people who have sent me beautiful emails thanking me for what I've spoken about and how this season has gone this year. And I'm massively grateful that people are listening. You know, one of the funny things about a podcast is that you record it like in your Home office or studio or whatever, and then you just kind of let it go and you don't know what happens to it after that. I don't know who's listening. I don't know where you are in the world. I don't know if you've enjoyed it, if you hate it, if you think I'm great, if you think I'm terrible. If you thought I was terrible, I don't think you'd probably keep listening. (laughs) That's probably a fair assessment. So, for today's episode, being the very last episode of this season, I wanted to close it out firstly with a massive expression of gratitude to you for listening. But I also wanted to share with you some of the lessons that I've learned this year. This is the first podcast episode I have not at least partially scripted. So normally when I do a podcast episode, I kind of write down bullet points or dot points about what I want to talk about. And I decided that for this episode, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to talk straight from the heart, tell you a little bit about my year and what's been going on in the background, and maybe give you some of the lessons that I've learned and the things I've had to relearn as the year has gone Bye. because we're very quickly heading towards the end of the year, aren't we? Christmas, not far behind. My birthday, not far behind. So I thought I would just share with you some of those things And I guess the first thing I wanted to tell you is that this has been an unbelievably challenging year for me. Lots of really, really great and amazing things happened. I filmed a class with Craftsy earlier in the year. Sorry, now they're called Blueprint. I filmed a class for Blueprint. I caught up with some college friends. I went on a road trip with one of my oldest and dearest friends. I've done some incredible traveling. I've taught people all over the world. I launched a brand new class with my colleague, Sharon Wee. We launched a class called Sweet Side Gig. I opened up my class, Build Your Profitable Cake Business, twice and took students into that. I got hugs globally. I had all kinds of really amazing, wonderful things happen. But unfortunately, I also had some really challenging and difficult things happening. My mom has been really sick. My kids have gone through a little bit of a rough time. They're doing great, by the way. It's just they're in 11th grade and 11th grade is a challenging year. I don't know how many of you guys remember being in high school, but it kind of sucked. And so it's been a little bit rough for them. And so they've been working really hard, but struggling with that. I've had some kind of personal issues as well going on. I have been physically healthy and well, but mentally things have just been a little bit tough. Somewhere in the middle of the year there, I kind of lost my way a bit. I think I just... Couldn't kind of figure out where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, and everything just got really, really rough. And it's not all bad. It's never all bad for me. My life is incredibly blessed, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. But I just had more rough patches than I think I normally like to have. And so I thought I'd share some of the lessons I learned from all of that. And the first one is actually a lesson that I teach in my live class. So if you've come to my live class, you've heard me talk about this, but it is something that has become a pillar of my life and has become a pillar of strength for me and that I hope it is for you. And it's kind of unofficially, I refer to it as like the three-pronged stool or seat on which I rest my life. And it works a little bit like this. So I don't believe in work-life balance. I think work-life balance is just a bunch of rubbish. I think it was that concept was invented by women to make other women feel terrible. Or maybe it was invented by men to make women feel terrible. Whoever invented it, it doesn't have anything good to say about it. It implies that you have to be on top of or across so many different things all the time. And that if somehow you're not doing all those things at the same time, you're failing at life. And I think that's a horrible yardstick by by which to measure our lives, that we're failing at life all the time because we're not in balance all the time. I don't agree with that concept. Instead, I think that we have a life of seasons and that at different seasons in our life, our time and our attention and our money and to a degree, our love needs to be spread and distributed differently. You know, when you first become a parent, you know, and you have new babies at home, you know, all your time, attention, love, money, et cetera, is focused on raising those children. And when they get a little bit older, then you shift that to your career. And then when your parents get older, maybe you shift that to the care of them. I just think that we have seasons of our life, which demand different ways of spending our time, money, energy, and love. And so one of the ways that I deal with this concept of the seasons of my life, and one of the ways I deal with this concept of work-life balance is just a load of rubbish, is this three-pronged approach. And the first one is acceptance. So I really strongly believe in acceptance. And what do I mean by that? I accept that my life is full of seasons. I accept that I can't always be the woman I think I am in my head. I accept that sometimes my house is going to be kind of messy and not as clean as I like. And I accept that sometimes dinner is going to be cereal and toast instead of, you know, lamb chops and vegetables and potatoes and all these wonderful things. Sometimes it's just going to be cereal and toast and we're all going to survive, you know? I simply accept that my life is imperfect and it's always going to be that way. There are things that I will be failing at at the same time that I'm succeeding at other things. That's part of that whole season thing too, right? So the first prong of my three prong approach to living an amazing life is acceptance. I simply accept that these things happen. They are what they are. I don't agonize over them. I don't feel terrible about them. I accept that they are what they are, right? That's it. It's a lot, you know, I realize that it probably sounds a lot easier said than done, but I've really come a long way when something's really bothering me stopping for a moment and going, do I need to accept this? Or is this something I need to fight with myself about or fight with other people about? I don't mean literally fight. I mean, you know, that energetic push and pull. So acceptance has gone a really, really long way towards making me feel a whole lot better about a whole lot of things that used to make me feel kind of terrible and feel like I was failing all the time. The second prong of my kind of three prong approach is forgiveness. And what I mean by that, it's sort of, it's a little bit similar to the acceptance thing, but it's more that I forgive myself for not being that perfect parent or that perfect daughter or that perfect friend. If I haven't called somebody in a long time, I don't beat myself up about my, that. I accept that I couldn't do it for whatever reason and I forgive myself and go, you know what? It's all right that I'm not managing that right now. It's totally okay. And I also assume that the people who truly matter in my life, the people whose opinions I actually care about, the people whose quality of their life affects the quality of my life, I assume that they're going to forgive me. They're going to forgive me for feeding them cereal and toast for dinner. They're going to forgive me for not calling them back or texting them back immediately. They're going to forgive me if I show up to dinner and I forgot to bring flowers. So the second part of that is forgiveness, not only of myself, but assuming that the people who truly matter in my life are going to forgive me for not getting it right all the time. Because I think a really big part of love is actually forgiveness. So that's the second part. And the third prong I have to this kind of way of dealing with life when life gets rough is gratitude. And you may have heard me talk about these three prongs before, by the way, but I think it's important to mention them again because they loom so large in my life and they really do provide a basis for so much. And even if you've heard it before, you know, I feel like somehow a reminder is not a bad thing. It's a little bit like when your family leaves the house in the morning, and you say, bye, sweetheart, have a great day. Love you. They know you love them. Sometimes nice to hear it again, right? So the third part is gratitude. And gratitude is something that I think it's kind of chucked around a lot. Like a lot of people like, oh, hashtag gratitude, hashtag blessed, whatever. I don't really think of it as a throwaway or hipster or modern or whatever concept. I guess you could also describe it as like looking for the silver lining or walking on the sunny side of the street or just kind of always looking for a reason to be grateful that you're alive, even if the only reason you have is that you're alive. And this isn't about looking at your life and going, oh, well, other people have it so much worse. Other people are suffering from ailments. Other people are sick. Other people are whatever. It's not about pulling them down. It's about or pulling them down in order to push you up. I think it's more about just acknowledging that even in the darkest of days, there's a lesson to be learned. And I would always, when things get terrible, I would always rather look for the lesson than dwell on how awful something is. I'm not saying don't feel the feels, by the way. I think you should always feel the feels. But gratitude has a way of lifting me out of truly dark places. You know, When I'm feeling too many feels and I'm letting that kind of sink me under the weight of feeling horrible, when I'm grateful for things, it's better. And I'll give you a little bit of a life hack on this. Sometimes I don't keep a gratitude journal, by the way. I do mentally write one every night before I fall asleep I don't write one down I think you could write one down if that's your thing it's not my thing which is kind of funny for somebody who calls herself a writer right but I'll give you a bit of a funny one sometimes when I'm like super grumpy I'll say to myself all right Michelle fine what are you grateful for and I will come up with the most ridiculous stuff ever like I'm grateful that today my coffee was actually hot and I got to drink it before I like forgot it somewhere Or like, I'm grateful that I put my jeans on this morning and they buttoned up without much difficulty. And I end up finding myself grateful for stupid, ridiculous, teeny tiny things. But the more stupid and the more ridiculous, the more I'm somehow able to like pull myself out of a funk because I'm thinking about being grateful for such dumb stuff. Like it sort of makes me realize how ridiculous I'm being by sticking my head in this anxiety space or in this sadness space or this depression space. And I'm like, see, you know what? If your greatest thing that you're grateful for is the slurpee you drank today was actually cold, like that's a good thing. And I usually start laughing at how ridiculous I am. And that kind of has a way of pulling me out of the funk. So the gratitude piece, yes, I think you should be grateful for the big stuff. But I think being grateful for the small stuff also helps a heck of a lot because you realize how kind of silly you're being really. And so that's a good one too. So those three things, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude go a really, really long way to making my life a much happier, calmer, more centered just more full life, I think. Now, I don't get this right all the time. I've definitely had days this year where I have wallowed in anxiety or worry or stress or whatever. I'm human like everybody else. But most of the time, those three things will pull me out of that at least enough to become productive. And that for me is a really big thing. If I'm not productive at work, I tend to feel really horrible about myself. So when I'm doing stuff at work, being writing a new class, recording a podcast, you know, answering people's emails, whatever, that for me is not only my happy place because I love what I do professionally, but I find that the more I'm in service to others and the more I am useful and making good use of my time, the rest of the time those feelings tend to dissipate. So keeping busy is really important to me. And so keeping busy and productive is something that I know that I must be doing a little bit better if I'm managing to get work done and get good quality work done. So that's, it's kind of like a little yardstick for me for how I figure that stuff out. So other than those three things, I guess I wanted to tell you some of the lessons that I learned this year because I had to learn some pretty rough lessons this year. And I think the first one is probably that it's okay to drop the ball as somebody who defines herself as a super mega overachiever and somebody who kind of always has her act together and, you know, people know me as being the woman who's very stable and secure and, you know, you can count on me. And that's all true, right? Nothing about those personality traits have changed. But I've also learned that it's totally okay to drop the ball. Like it's okay to be the get stuff done woman who occasionally does not get stuff done. And I learned this year that, I would drop the ball on some stuff and the world would keep spinning and everybody was still alive and well and almost nothing happened. These things that I was so tightly hanging on to and I was so tightly kind of feeling were important and I had to get them done and I this, that and the other, I kind of realized all of a sudden that, you know what? I dropped that thing. I didn't do that thing, whatever that thing was and everything still works. So I learned that's kind of like a twin lesson there, and that I, I learned that it's okay to drop the ball, and I also learned that the things that we think are vitally important are often not vitally important at all. So it's funny how we attach a certain importance to things and then we go, you know what? I didn't do that thing and nothing happened. The sky did not fall. What an amazing concept, right? So that's probably one of the big lessons I learned that it's okay to drop the ball and you know, alongside that the things that we think are super important usually aren't super important. The other thing I learned this year, which was I won't say it was hard to learn, but it went against my nature, which is that it's okay to say no to people, events, or things. So what I mean when I say that it goes against my nature is that I'm a massively social person. I love seeing my friends. I love going out. I love doing stuff. I love being a part of stuff. I love just doing and living. I live life really richly and so for me that leading a rich life is all about having experiences and so when a friend's like hey want to go to this play i'm like yeah and when my son's like mom let's go to this musical i'm like okay and i'm booking tickets and i want to go to movies and i want to see my friends and i want to do 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 and go 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 and what i learned this year is that it's okay to say no to all of that so an invitation doesn't have to be said yes to. And that sounds so stupid now when I think about it, right? But in my desperate desire to live this full, crazy, amazing life, I say yes all the time to everything. Yes to people wanting me to do things. Yes to projects. Yes to events, whatever. And that's not a bad thing. But I learned that like, saying no is actually massively empowering. And to put this into a little bit more detail, I also learned that you can say no after you've said yes. So I committed to things like, you know, let's have dinner on Thursday or let's go to the movies on Friday. I committed to things. And then old me or, you know, me who wasn't having a crisis moment would have just kind of like rolled with it or whatever. And when things got really rough this year, I actually thought to myself, I don't actually want to go out tonight. I don't want to go to that play. I don't want to read that book I said I'd read. I don't want to hang out with that person I said I'd hang out with. Nothing with that person or that book or that play. I just don't want to do it. And so I backed out of a bunch of stuff after I'd committed to it. And I was really honest about it. So I'd contact that friend and I'd say, hey, I know we're supposed to have coffee on Thursday. To be honest with you, I'm just not in a mood to talk to other humans. It's not that I don't love you and want to see you. I just need to protect my heart a little bit. And I need to go into a little bit of hibernation. And every single one of those people was cool with it. And if they weren't, they didn't tell me any differently. So that's kind of a good one, right? That's a really good one. And so... That's something that I think was hard for me to learn only because I'm one of these people who wants to go out all the time, right? But I learned I didn't want to go out all the time this year and I learned I didn't have to. So that lesson is that it's okay to say no to people or events or things. And there's kind of a secondary lesson in that, which is that I'm one of these people who thinks it's really important to follow up. So if I know somebody who, you know, let's say lost a parent, then I'll probably call them or text them or message them or something and say, hey... I was thinking about your mom today, you probably miss her. Or I would say, Hey, it's Mother's Day, and I think this might be a hard day for you, so I just wanted to send you some extra love. And I'm really big on the follow up and the checking in. Maybe I'm not having breakfast, lunch, dinner, movies with you, but I'm going to check in. And I learned this year how important it is to be checked in on. I had so many friends have rough things happen this year, and I would just check in on them, and say, Hey, you know, I heard, was thinking about you today, wanted to send you some extra love. Or, hey, no need to respond to this message. I just wanted you to know that I hope you're okay and I'm thinking about you. And here's what I learned about the importance of that. I learned about the importance of that because of the friends who did that back to me. So when I started saying no to people and things and social events and whatever, that's really unusual for me. That's out of the norm for my personality and what my friends are used to. And not everybody, but a couple of those friends, two or three of them, Realize and recognize that maybe that wasn't the normal Michelle they were used to. And so they started doing that. They started checking in back with me. Hey, hon, just want to see how you're doing. No need to reply to me. Just letting you know I'm thinking about you. Or, hey, hon, headed out to the shops. Can I get you anything? Or, hey, sweetheart, you don't need to give me the whole story about it's rough or not rough, but how's it going? I cannot tell you how much I am grateful for the checking in that has been the single most valuable thing anybody can do for you. And I think when we have friends who are going or family members going through a crisis, we think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to behave. I don't know how to react. You know, what do I do here? And I just want to let you all know that the thing to do is check in. You actually don't need to bake a cake or, you know, cook a casserole or do some big grand thing. You just have to check in. Every couple of weeks, once a month, whatever it is, the checking in, the people who have checked in on me has been unbelievable, invaluable. And I want to stop here for a second and say that I have had an unbelievable amount of check-ins from you guys, from the people who follow the work that I do and listen to my podcast and email me and whatever. I've had an unbelievable number of my students who I very much consider friends checking in on me. And I have to tell you that that makes me feel, I'm actually tearing up even thinking about it because it's an amazing thing to think about somebody who is halfway across the world, usually, who might not know me personally, as in, you know, we might never have met in real life. We might never have spoken on the phone, but it's amazing to think that somebody far away would be like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Just wanted to know how you're doing. You know, a lot of people who have read my blogs and newsletters and stuff for a long time, know that I keep it really real, right? I tell you guys what's actually happening in my life. I don't overshare, I don't think, but I am very clear about what's happened and what's going on and whether or not I'm having a rough time. And the people who have followed me for a while, I've become very good at reading through or seeing through the lines or what's that expression? Reading through the lines and noticing when I'm not quite myself or the energy is not quite what it's used to. And I've had so many unbelievably beautiful emails and messages from people saying, hey, Michelle, things don't seem right. I just wanted to check in on you. How are you doing? So you should know that even those of you who don't know me personally or haven't met me in real life, those messages of checking in have been absolutely invaluable and they're really unbelievable. And I don't have clinical depression or anxiety or any of those things. It's just been a rough year full of rough circumstances. But I imagine if you are somebody who suffers from that, it probably feels like a pretty lonely place. And so having somebody who checks in on you and says, hey, just want to know how you're doing, I think that that checking in is something which is just hugely valuable. And so the lesson I learned this year is how much the checking in matters and how much I'm going to keep doing that for friends. I'm going to keep doing that for people who I know are having a rough time or even people who I don't know that but I maybe haven't heard from them in a while. I think just sending a, I'm thinking about you text is probably one of the greatest gifts we can give each other. So that lesson also was about the checking in. Oh God, I'm I'm just thinking about that genuinely brought me to tears. I think that human connection is so important and it's something I've actually spoken about a lot, both here on the podcast and in the blog this year, which is how much we need each other. And so that checking in thing is really about reminding people that you're there for them. You don't need grand gestures. You just need small gestures done more often. So hang on to that bit of advice. I think it's a good one. All right. So what else else did I learn this year? And I meant what I said at the beginning, by the way, the year was not all terrible. I had so many positive, amazing, awesome things happen this year too. It's just, I don't know. My life is like 90% off, awesome, 10% a little challenging. And this year, sometimes it's felt like a little bit of the other way around. That's a bit dramatic sounding. Hasn't been that bad, but it feels like it's been a little bit that way. So. Uh, One of the other lessons I learned this year was to ask for help and then accept it. So this is particularly true in a business sense, but also true in a family sense. So as somebody who has her act together and gets stuff done all the time, I'm responsible for a lot of things, right? Be that making dinner, be that running the kids around, be that, you know, working on a project with a, a workmate or something. And I take on responsibility and I take on tasks and jobs and I do those things happily. And I'm happy to take responsibility for things and be in charge of things and do them. But this year I learned that sometimes those things got all too much. And I had to learn to go, okay, I have a choice here. I can either beat myself up about this thing not getting done and not do it. I can do it, but do it pretty poorly and then feel bad about the fact that I did it poorly. Or I can not do it, but get somebody else to do it because it's important. And eventually I realized that not doing it wasn't an option. My kids still needed to be fed. The business stuff still needed to happen, whatever. But that perhaps I was better off just getting it done by someone else. And so I started asking for help. I started sending emails. I started making phone calls, sending text messages, whatever, saying, Hey, I know I said that I make dinner tonight, but I'm just exhausted. Is there any way that you can do that for me? Or I'd say, Hey, I know I said that we would talk about that marketing thing this week, but I'm not feeling too well. And I'm not really in any position to talk about this. So could you have that conversation with someone else? Or could you figure out that? Or could you make that airplane booking? Or could you book those hotels or that venue? Or could you reach out to my students and let them know that they need to be here at this time at that hour? I got really, really good at asking for help and then accepting it. Hard for a control freak like myself to do that, by the way, because I'm one of those people who's like, I can do it myself 10 times faster and better. So let me just get this done. But I learned really, really quickly that that wasn't doing me any favors. I learned really quickly that wasn't going to solve anything for me that was just going to make me feel horrible. So asking people to help and then accepting that help made a huge difference to so many things I did in my life. It really, really did. So ask for help, it's okay. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you are a weak person. It doesn't mean that you're unreliable. It doesn't mean that you don't get stuff done. It means that sometimes you just gotta ask for help. That actually makes you more human, not less. I actually think it makes you more superhuman, really. What else did I learn this year? Probably, I think there's probably two more things that I wanted to mention in today's podcast. Like I said, I haven't got this actually written down anywhere. So kind of shuffling it in my head, I feel like I could just talk to you guys all day, which is funny because in most solo episodes where I do write down bullet points of what I want to say, I struggle with feeling like like those episodes are too short. (laughs) So it's funny that this one, which is totally freeform and me just talking off the top of my head, is actually kind of flowing really beautifully. Well, at least I think so. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to this. So one of the other lessons I learned this year was that sometimes doing nothing is actually doing something because I'm the kind of person who runs at high speed all the time. Like I am forever doing things at a million miles an hour. When I tell people what I achieve in any given day or any given week, they're like, whoa, dude, did you ever sleep today? Like, do you ever eat? Like, how are you managing this? Right? I just work at a really, really fast pace, which is how I like it, by the way. And I like to work fast and get things done fast. But I learned this year that I had to spend quite a number of days or hours doing absolutely nothing, which is not who I am. I'm one of those people who goes on vacation and it takes me like three days to actually relax. And if you're like, okay, Michelle, just sit on this beach and like stare at the clouds go by. I'm like, could I do that and listen to a podcast and read a book and drink a cocktail at the same time? Because that would make me a lot happier. (laughs) So I'm really not a do nothing kind of person. But this year I learned that sometimes doing nothing is actually doing something. And the something that you're doing is resting. Resting your brain, resting your mind. You're marinating on whatever is processing in your head. You're processing, right? You're considering, you're consolidating. You might be physically doing nothing, but mentally you are actually giving your brain time to work stuff through and figure out where it wants to be and what it wants to do next. And I've learned that in the quiet of doing nothing, a whole lot of something gets done mentally. I'm much more able to make sounder decisions. I'm much more able to really think through. I'm not making decisions from a place of pressure or emotion or hysteria or worry or whatever. So I spent several days this year doing not a damn thing, but either hanging around my house, kind of pottering around doing not a lot, or just laying in bed playing stupid phone games, which I realize is doing something, but they don't require a lot of brain space, right? Or just... Kind of, you know, I used to get in the car and I drive to the nearest park or the nearest beach and I just sit there and I kind of stare at the water or I stare at the park or whatever for an hour, half an hour, whatever it is. I learned a lot this year about doing nothing and how much doing nothing is actually really a useful exercise in giving our brain time to just chillax and settle and rest and reflect. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't manage it easily all the time, but become adept at going, you know, I think today is going to be a do nothing day. And I just let it be a do nothing day. I don't feel horrible about myself. I don't feel guilty about it. I just kind of go, my brain is tired today. needs to have a little bit of a rest. And I give it a bit of a rest and that's it. And that probably comes back down to the acceptance and forgiveness and gratitude thing too. On days when I'm doing nothing, I accept that on that day I'm doing nothing. I forgive myself for doing nothing. And I assume that other people will forgive me for not answering that email immediately. And I have gratitude for the fact that I have a job which allows me to have a day or an hour or 10 minutes where I'm doing absolutely nothing at all. I haven't quite learned how to navel gaze or stare at clouds. But maybe I just need to give it another shot, hey? And probably the last thing I wanted to say, which might sound a little bit contradictory to the thing that I was just saying about learning how to do nothing, is that one of the things that happened this year is that fairly recently, actually, in the last six weeks, I'd say, I started to feel really overwhelmed by a lot of things. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I've been traveling to teach, which just sets my whole world on fire. I love doing that. And I've been going through all this kind of personal stuff on the home front and my kids all got sick all at the same time with different ailments, by the way. Literally every one of my kids and my husband got sick in succession with different ailments while I was overseas, which is just the worst feeling in the world. Anyway, so they were sick and my mom has been not terribly well and my sister has some issues. It just has felt very, very, very overwhelming in the last couple of weeks and has felt a little bit like I am wandering around the world with a sign on my back that says, universe, please kick me, right? And every time things would kind of settle down a little bit, then they'd go a little bit mental again and I'd be like, come on, man. Like, (laughs) I need things to just chill out here. This is crazy. I'm not coping. And it just really started to feel like things had gone, just things were never going to get good, right? It was like an endless array of like, yes, okay, cool. I'm great now. And then I'd get some phone call or some text, which made me go, I'm not happy with this. This is not good. The world needs to just go away. I'm not good with this. So anyway, I just started to get really overwhelmed with all the stuff that was going wrong. And it was unbelievably upsetting. And I was just having a really hard time. And I discovered kind of a little not a hack, but something that seems to be working pretty well for me, which is that not something that isn't terrible, that doesn't sound right. Every day I try to do something which gives me a a shining light or gives me a little bit of progress or gives me a feeling of joy, or I just try to do something good or nice for myself every single day that I do have control over. So part of why we feel overwhelmed is because we feel like we have no control over our lives. We feel like everybody else and everything else is just taking up so much brain space and headspace and whatever you know it's that kind of thing that we just get to the point i'm just going to interrupt my normal recording to say that just now the doorbell rang and so i had to stop the recording for a second just so i could go and answer the doorbell and it was a package and i'm like oh i didn't order anything there's no package there like I I wasn't expecting anything. And I opened this package and it's a gift of some chocolate from one of my favorite chocolate companies, which is Bakedown in Sydney. But it's actually a gift from one of my students named Grace. And we had talked about this pink chocolate. I don't know, for those of you who heard this ruby chocolate that Calibo has just come out with, and she ordered some from a company here in Sydney and had it sent to me as a gift. And It's fitting that I was just talking about that checking in thing, because isn't that another version of checking in, right? Somebody sending you a gift and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you and we were talking about this and I thought you might enjoy that. It's just another version of somebody saying, I'm thinking about you and I'm looking out for you. So Grace, if you're listening to this, I will actually contact you personally to thank you. But that's really one of the kindest things you can do for a person. So thank you. Okay, so now to pull myself back together again and go back to what I was saying, which is that every day I try to do something kind or nice for myself or something to progress my situation because I feel that being overwhelmed is so much a case of feeling like life is out of control that we don't have control over what's going on, the, the situation or all the things happening or whatever, or we just feel like there's so many competing demands on our time. And so every day I try to do at least one thing that I have control over, or one thing that makes me feel better, or one thing that I think will give me back some semblance of control in what's an otherwise really chaotic situation. And so I'll give you some examples of what I do. So every day, I've mentioned this many, many times in many, many podcasts before, but every day I go for an hour long walk. And I often listen to a podcast in that hour, but lately because I'm getting better at doing nothing, sometimes I listen to nothing other than the sound of my breathing. And so that one hour a day is a day where I get mental peace and I get exercise and I feel really good. And that's something I'm doing for myself. Or I might make a phone call to somebody asking for some help, or I might do a class. I actually recently did a really great class all about financial fitness for women. That was a really interesting, it was a free class. It went just for an hour and a half and it was really interesting and fascinating. And I learned something and I feel like that's something that I now have more knowledge over about and something that I'm going to have a little bit of more control over. So every day I try to just do something. If that's reaching out to a friend and saying, hey, I'm having a rough day. Could we have a coffee? Even if that's going out and, you know, buying myself some flowers or maybe it's doing something like rearranging my closet. I know that sounds really funny, but throwing stuff out feels incredibly cathartic. So every day I try to find a little bit of time to do something that just makes me feel like I got this. I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. I got this. We're good. So that's something that I think, although I've gotten really good at doing nothing because doing nothing is doing something, I also know that for me, being such an achiever and a doer, it's hard to never do anything. So every day I just try to do something which makes me feel A little bit better about the overwhelming situation. And if it doesn't progress any of the things that I'm dealing with, at the very least, it gives me a little bit of thinking space. One of the things I do nearly every day is I got into the habit of meditating earlier this year. And I know meditating isn't for everybody. And honestly, it's not always for me either. There are times when I drop the ball, I don't meditate for a month, you know? But I discovered that I use an app called Calm, C-A-L-M, Calm. And one of the things the Calm app has on it is sleep stories, which is people reading stories, some of them fictional, some of them non-fictional. And the idea is that you turn on a sleep story and you fall asleep to that story. And that in its own way is a form of meditation as well, because you're quietly listening to somebody. And I will tell you, there are so many sleep stories I've never heard the end of because I fall asleep in the middle of them. And that's also something I do for myself. That's also something I use to remind myself that there are moments of calm or there are hours of calm or there's a way to get control back over a situation. There's ways to get A little bit of calm amidst the chaos, I guess. And so every day I try to do something that just pushes either my life or my situation or whatever it is forward. And if I can't move things forward, at the very least, I do myself a little bit of a kindness. Even if that's just like making a cup of tea and sitting in the sunshine and drinking it while I'm texting, right? Whatever. Just that little bit of self-kindness every day really goes a long way to making me feel like the world is a better place and that, you know what? My situations are temporary and they're all going to get better. The people who are unwell, are either going to get better or they will pass on? The situations that are confusing or difficult are either going to become clear or they'll end. And, you know, something is going to happen. The passing of time means that something eventually happens. Not necessarily always a good thing, but, you know, very... I can't think of anything in life which is truly stagnant and doesn't move forward. Eventually things move forward. They might take a little longer than you like, but eventually they do move forward. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm sure there is so much more I could say, but to be honest with you, I have found recording this kind of challenging in and of itself because I've had to, talk about stuff I don't talk about too often, you know, I've always been very real and honest about the fact that nobody's life is perfect and that I think we actually gain a lot by sharing the truth of what happens behind the scenes. But at the same time, that's not necessarily for me such an easy thing to do all the time. So this one's been a little bit of a rough one to record, but I think that probably means that'll it be one of the best ones that you'll get to listen to all year. I'm so glad that you've listened to the podcast this year. It means a lot to me to know there are people out there hearing me and listening and hopefully learning something not only for myself, but from the incredible, incredible guests that I've had the great joy of interviewing this year. I'm going to start planning next year's episodes. So I hope that if you have something you want to hear me talk about, or you have somebody you'd like me to interview because you admire them or because you think they'd be interesting to listen to, I'm really happy for you to send me an email and let me know what you want to hear me talk about. Because, you know, this podcast only gets better the more that I'm able to provide something that you want to listen to. So yeah, let me know if there's something you want to hear me talk about or you want to hear other people talk about or something you're curious about because we all have so much to learn from each other. And I think that podcasting is a really great way to do it. Thanks so much for listening to the Business of Baking podcast this year. This is Michelle signing off for 2018 and I'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links,
0: and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.